No Catch Up Chicago. What's really good, my people? Welcome into No Catch Up Chicago for Chicago by Chicago. I am your host, Sean Little. Very special guest in here, George Galanopoulos, my guy. He works for the Dallas Mavericks currently, is the head national basketball coach of the Uganda national team. That is all the stuff we're going to break down. Those two <laughs> sentences in itself, we can talk for 45 minutes to an hour easy. We're going to go through Georgia's journey. I mean, this dude's been all over the place. Chicago guy, first of all. Chicago guy, Chicago area guy. We're everywhere, as everyone knows that. We're going to go through his journey from going from Chicago. Big 10 guy, went to Indiana. Has done his grinding within the NBA. To He went out to New Zealand to follow his basketball dreams. Back in Chicago. Then he came back. Then he went down to uh, to Dallas to kind of follow his dreams. We're going to go through all that stuff. And then, of course, we're going to talk about being a National League head coach, national team head coach, excuse yep. me, uh, with Uganda. That's dope. Um, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on, bro. I'm doing well. I really appreciate you having me, man. Hey, Thank man. you very much. Hey, man. I, uh, I appreciate you coming on. You, you went through the traffic for me. I already know that was a pain in the ass. Yeah, I don't miss the Chicago traffic. That's yeah, for sure, that man. is uh, yeah. that's definitely definitely. Let me put that down. I, we got to we got to get these people to see your pretty there face. You know yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> so, let's get right into it. Okay. Talk to me about your journey because it is you're 28 years old. 29. 29. Just turned now. 29. Yeah, a few Just months ago. Just turned 29. Happy birthday. Happy belated. Uh, happy belated. <laughs> for yeah, sure, man. No, no doubt. Um. Talk to me about your journey, man, because you're a lifer. You're the typical lifer hoop fan that can't hoop like myself. Yeah. Like we love hoops outside of a little pickup. We're trash at hoops. Right. I was a football basketball. Or I was a football baseball guy in high school, that type of stuff. And I just lo- I, I wish I was a hooper. Like it's, yeah. it's one of those things. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So talk to me about your journey, how you got into hoops. What made you decide to just follow that that burn, that hoops, that hoop dreams. I say hoop dreams all the time. Like anytime I can say hoop dreams, I throw that in there. So yeah. talk to me about your journey and following those dreams. And I'm sure not listening to doubters about you're never going to be a coach here. You're never going to work for a major organization in the NBA. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So, you know, it started when I was younger. I had a basketball hoop on my driveway that my dad put in when I was like six or seven years old. So yeah. fell in love with it from the moment I got that. Uh, was hooping all the time, played multiple sports, baseball, football, the whole thing, just like a normal kid. Uh, but I fell in love with basketball when I got around the age of uh, like 13, 14, played for my high school. And I, I wasn't very good. I was a guy that kind of sat at the end of the bench, would get spot minutes here and there, a lot of times just garbage minutes. Um, so I knew what it was like to be that guy at the end of the bench. But, you know, I loved the game. I played played a lot over the summer going into my sophomore year, and I saw a lot of improvement and went to a lot of different clinics, went to uh, an individual player development coach, Steve Pratt, who works out of Full Package Athletics, which is run out of the North Shore of Chicago. Yeah. Um, so he was like my first trainer coach, and I saw a lot of market improvement. I still got a lot of full package gear, like the, the, the yeah. FP with the black and white. FP, yeah, yeah. with the backwards yep, FMP. Exactly. Yeah, for I sure. still got some shorts. Yeah, so that's Steve Pratt, full package, and, you know, a mentor of mine, really good guy, and, you know, he's helped me a lot throughout my career. But you know, I saw a, a very big improvement in my game from, from year to year, and I actually decided to quit playing for my high school when I saw that improvement, and I started to coach younger kids. Uh, I loved the game. I felt like I, I I was kind of a coach on the floor, I felt in my own right. 
um, a, a, had natural leadership qualities I felt and I really loved coaching I loved coaching kids um, started off fifth sixth graders for full package AAU and then kind of moved up seventh eighth grade and I was doing this when I was 16 17 years old and I was playing every day pickup and in other leagues and stuff just for fun um, and I loved it and I realized that I was probably most comfortable in my skin when I was in the huddle, on the court, coaching and trying to develop players. Yeah. No matter what age, it was younger kids at the time, but I absolutely loved it. And I love the connection that you have with the player, seeing the improvement that they make when you know they're on the court and they're working hard. And I fell in love with it. And I really liked the NBA at the time. And, and around that time, when I was about 16, 17 years old, about to choose a college, it was a time when Lawrence Frank had just become the the coach of the Nets and you're and you're looking at this guy that doesn't really look the part and you're wondering what's his story he obviously didn't play in the NBA how did he get there and if you don't know who Lawrence Frank is little white guy red hair <laughs> kind of balding yeah you know, just to give you guys a little visual yeah for sure and and he went to Indiana University he was a manager under Bob Knight so I started to just do my own research on how those types of guys that were non-players or didn't play in the NBA or high level college back in the day how they got to where they were and Lawrence Frank, I think, was kind of my first inspiration um, as far as pursuing coaching, realizing, well, this is possible. You know, I could go and be a manager at a college. I can start off as an intern. Caleb Canales, who worked for the Mavericks for a few years, I got a good relationship with. Um, super bright guy that started off in the video room. He was a video intern. Yeah. Um, same thing, a couple years later after Lawrence Frank got it, he was the interim head coach of Portland. So you started to see this evolution of young coaches that started off as managers and in the video room. And you started to see that it was possible that you can coach in the NBA without having a playing background. And for me, when I was younger, call it young and dumb or naive, whatever it is, yeah. that's all I needed to see, that it was possible. And you know, I figured if these guys can do it, why not? So I don't think I realized at the time how much work was going to go into it yeah, and the places sure. that it would take me and, yeah. you know, the relationships and people that I would meet and create. Um, but it's been so rewarding. And I think what really motivated me to pursue it was when I was looking at colleges, uh, you know, Indiana was was one of my top choices. My sister had gone to Indiana. She was four years older than me. Who was playing on Indiana at the time? Is that like Eric Gordon in them? So my first year was Eric Gordon. Uh, Jamal, I think Jordan Crawford. Sorry, Jordan, Jordan Crawford. Crawford yeah. yeah, Calvin Sampson's last year. So in the middle of my freshman year, shout was, out crooked uh, Calvin Sampson. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the middle of my freshman year was when all that stuff went down with Indiana. He yeah. was fired. Dan Dockage took over, and then Tom Crean took over my sophomore year. So even the first few years of Tom Crean's era, you know, which was my sophomore, junior, senior year, um, we were not very good. So I didn't get to experience Indiana at its at its peak, at obviously, its peak, yeah. but. You know, going back before I decided to go to Indiana, I remember talking to my dad about what major I was going to choose when I got to school. He's like, you know, what major do you want to choose? And I hadn't told anybody that I wanted to coach basketball. He just knew that I was coaching these kids. Right. And I told him, I said, you know, I don't really know what I want to major in, but I think I want to be an NBA basketball coach. And he was kind of taken back at first, but he said, really? And, you know, I kind of explained to him, you know, well, you know, Lawrence Frank and this guy. And I, I had a legitimate reason a, to pursue it. vision, though. I did. You I had, had a vision. mapped out. Yeah. I think a parent, that's what they need, I think. I, it, if yeah. I want to be, oh, yo, I want to be an astronaut, but this is how I'm going to get there. They're like, all right, bro, go For ahead. For sure. And yeah. you know what? He, you know, he's, he's a lawyer. He's got his own practice. He could have easily said, you're going to law school. You're, you're taking over. You're doing this. You're doing that, which I think some parents would do, but. He just said, you know, if you love it, it's your passion. You know, your mother and I are behind you every step of the way. And, uh, you know, we'll be by your side as you try to pursue this. He goes, sure. you just got to make sure that 
you know, you work hard and you continue to pursue your passion and believe in yourself and everything that you would want a parent to say in that moment, as far as being an inspiration to me to continue to do that and pursue it. Um, he was, and my mom and my family have been there every step of the way. And, you know, when I've been through some hard times in coaching and, you know, my career, what my personal life, they're, they're always there. So for that's, sure. they are the inspiration as to why I'm, I'm continuing to do what I do for that's sure. What's up. That's great, man. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Um, let's fast forward to your first break that you caught and kind of, kind of broke into the, I get, I mean, we can go back to when you were shorter, you were shagging balls at the Birdo Center. Yeah. But we're yeah. not going to go back that far, right? Okay. At Indiana, you got an intern gig for, wasn't, maybe it wasn't an intern, but it was, I can't remember. I was, Where, I, when I was at Indiana? When you were at Indiana, yeah. So when I was at Indiana was when, um, I had gotten the internship with the Bulls over the summer. The Bulls over the summer. Okay, yeah, that's, so okay. that's what it was. So Word. going into my sophomore year at Indiana was when I got an internship with the Bulls. It was very informal. Uh, a family friend of mine who had actually been uh, the center for the Chicago Bears for a long time, Jerry Fontenot was his yeah. name. I don't know if you remember that yeah, name. Yeah, Coached for the Packers for a while, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, very good family friend of mine. He worked out at the Birdo Center because he lived right across the street in Deerfield. Yeah. So he was really close with the strength and conditioning coach. And he called him and he said, you know, I got a little nephew family friend that really wants to get into the nba is there anything you guys have there back then they didn't have like formal internships really for player development so you know he asked uh the director of player development time dave severance um who is now a, a pro personnel scout with the clippers good friend of mine mentor he asked him if he needed any help and he said yeah have him come in and you know he can he can rebound and play defense or something like that they didn't really have anything he was the only one running the workout so as a 19-year-old kid, I go into the Birdo Center and... Legendary. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember when my family friend Jerry Fontenot took me there when I was three years old. I have pictures of me, you know, running around the basketball court when I was like three, four years old. Now I'm there working. And Derrick Rose's rookie year uh, was coming up and he had just gotten drafted. So the first three players I work out that very first day was Derrick Rose, Joe Kimno, and Taj Gibson. And I'm a diehard Bulls fan from like I, I bleed red from the moment I was born. Yeah. Um, you know, the six NBA championships, Jordan, Tony Kukoc was my first jersey, you know, so I'm um, I'm a Chicago basketball lifer for sure. So the Bulls, that was like a dream come true at the time. Um and the, the small the small world with that was Dave Severns was the one that got me my internship after I worked for him with Tim Grover at attack athletics just yeah. before I went out to Bakersfield. Um, and at attack athletics was Mike Procopio, the director of player development now for the Mavericks. So all connected, bro, bro. It is, it's, it's so, crazy, it is right? so weird. It's like, you know, that's why when so many people, obviously everybody's got a different story, but so many people worry about the future. And I used to worry about the future a lot too, and be really paranoid about where I was going to be next or if it was going to work out. And at the end of the day, when you look back on six, seven, eight years or however many years, it's easy to piece things together. You know, you can connect the dots. And I, I just feel like my story does that for sure. This is how I met this person to this person, to this person. And it's just kind of crazy, but it's really worked out. Let's talk about Bob Mack. Mm -hmm. You start working for him for the Texas legends, the Texas legends. Yep. Correct. G league affiliate for the Mavericks, G league affiliate for the Mavericks. It was new at the time. Uh, they had been around for, I'm trying to think. About nine years. Yeah. Yeah. They've been around for about nine years. The the name G League is is newer than yeah, the Texas right, Legends. Right, right. Was. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> it was the D League when I was. It was the last yeah. year of the D League when I was in there. Yeah. Um. 
True story. He is playing pickup. Bob is. Mm-hmm. With a guy from Uganda that lives in North Carolina at the time. Yeah. He has a connection with the Uganda national team and says, dude, I have a guy, infectious personality, loves hoops, can bring discipline, structure. Or 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 was it they were trying to get Bob to come on? They were trying to get Bob. And Bob was like, mm. Well, he's been around for, right. you know, he's been coaching for like 35, 40 years. He's, he's very, very experienced, very smart. Um, I mean, he's coached at all levels. And... They had just, I think, finished a year before that their very first Afro basket, African Championship basketball um, tournament. So they realized that they were ready to compete and they wanted, you know, a, an American coach to take them to the next level. Right. Bob's experience, like he was a home run hire. He couldn't do it. He was getting hip surgery that summer. Um, so he called me into his office like later in the year. He's like, would you want to be the the head coach of the Uganda national team? Real yeah. casual like that. Yeah. And I just it's hard for me to say no to great opportunities like that. Yeah. You know, I don't think like, man, I gotta go here, I gotta go there. It's I think like, no, like, like let's, let's go. Rock. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh what a great opportunity. So I said, Yeah, just let me know. Let me know what I gotta do. So we flew out to North Carolina where he lives and where this player lived, uh Stanley Ochitti. Yeah. Met with him, the GM, the four of us uh had some pizza together and uh at the time, the funny part about the story is they didn't even know he was going to turn down the job. They thought that he was going to do it. He was just bringing me along. Right. So we sit Actually. down. Yeah. So he sits down and, you know, he starts asking him questions about logistically how this is going to work and, you know, when they're going to have their next tournament, this, that. So they start just explaining everything. About 10 minutes in, he goes, all right, well, I'm not going to coach it. This is my assistant, George Galanopoulos. He's going to be the coach of the team. And he didn't even ask. And I'm sitting there just kind of looking at him. Like, where is oh, this wait, going? So you didn't know that he was going to do that? I didn't know. That. At the time. I didn't know what the conversation was. I didn't know what the dialogue had been like between them. <laughs> wow. So he just goes, well, he's going to coach the team. And, uh, you know, I'll I'll kind of mentor him from afar and make sure that it's organized and this and that. I had no idea. They could have easily said right then and there, no, forget about it. Like, yeah. we wanted you. They were like, great. This is awesome. Like, we're excited. You know, this will be great. Excited for this relationship, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, I guess I'm the head coach that you've got a national team now. So, And at the time, did you know any players? I knew none of the players did on the you team. Know, did you know anything about the squad? I didn't even know. Did you know what the Ugandan flag looked like? I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know where they were located. <laughs> I, all I knew about Uganda was that it was a country in Africa. That was it. So, And I knew that they had had lost pretty pretty badly in the three contests that they had in Afro Basket and that they were looking yeah. to improve and yeah. started watching some film on them and – you know, the rest is I love history. That. People listening, man, if you want to, that's the type of stuff you have to do, though. If you're going to, if, if you go in the field and sure. it asks you to, like, and stuff like that comes up, it's like, there's been so many times where I've heard people like, oh, dude, I, I, I want this gig, but I, I don't want to move to, and like, a lot of times it's like LA. It's like, I don't want to move to LA. It's like, dude, right. you could easily be moving to like Alabama. Or sure. wherever, you know what I mean? Or yeah. like somewhere in Canada or some in the middle of nowhere, you know what I mean? Right. You don't want to move to LA and you like say this is something you really want to do, like, no, nah, I don't believe you. Right. You and the cool I mean? the cool thing about it is I didn't have to I didn't have to move there or commit to it for, you know, three, four years. Right. Um it was just it was more of a summer gig whenever they had tournaments, so it really worked out well. Okay, word. Mm. All right, let's talk about Uganda and the hoops culture. Give me a peek into that, because 
we obviously know Asia's basketball crazy. Right. They're all over hoops. D Wade, Kobe, the whole thing, right? Talk to me about what it's like over there and do they do they love it as much as Asia or we do over here? Talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, so the most popular sport as with most countries around the world is soccer. Right. You know, so they're crazy about it there. There's also a couple other sports that are popular. There's there's netball, you know, which is obviously a women's sport, but that's popular netball. all yeah, netball. It's popular. It's is like, it like a handball. It's like a form of basketball without dribbling. It's it's kind of interesting. I learned about it when I went to New Zealand. Um, it's like ultimate frisbee, but you throw a ball on a hoop. Yeah, so the the hoop doesn't have a backboard. Um and it's just it's like this, and then it's on stands that are like diagonal. It's like those like that. old school hoops in gym they used to bring out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but a little bit higher. It's like twelve feet up. Yeah. So they're yeah, you can't. I don't think you can dribble. So they're just moving and passing and whatnot. Um, that's something that's that's backed by the government, backed by a lot of funding. Wow. Uh, that's a pretty popular sport, even though it's only you know women. It's not men as well. Um, you know, there's there's cricket. There's all these other sports. Right. Basketball is becoming one of the more popular sports in Uganda. Um, I, I think that it's also getting a lot more, uh, funding and support from the government and from the Federation, which helps us obviously with training and, um, you know, even having jerseys, we didn't have jerseys, you know, four or five years ago, for example, you know what I mean? So little things like that, yeah. um, it's gaining popularity, it's gaining support internally. And, you know, we've had more success over the last couple of years than we had the previous years. So I think what you're going to start to see over the next, you know, five, 10, 15 years long term is, a lot of younger kids growing up seeing the Ugandan national team, you know, and our hope is that we do well enough where it's an inspiration of those kids to continue to play basketball. Uh, there's, there's an event that I'll be going to from the 10th to the 15th of August in Uganda called the NBA giants of Africa. And it's run by Masai Ujiri and a couple other you know guys in the NBA that are yeah. involved in African basketball. And what they do is they go over to uh, several countries in Africa. Shout out to Mar DeRozan. Yeah, there you go. That's a, that's a whole other story, right? Yeah, that's a whole other yeah, story. Shout but, out DeMar. Um, for sure. But um, anytime his name comes up, you got to bring up DeMar DeRozan. Now he's going to be tied to that. Yeah, 100%. For 100%. Sure. But um, yeah, they they go around to, I think, about eight or nine countries, um, a handful of countries, and they grab the best young talent, young meaning you know, anywhere from like 14 to 16, 17 years old. Right. And you know, there's uh, there's junior NBA guys that are over there in Africa that put on clinics for these guys. It's basically just a forum where you could see all the young talent in these countries. And from what I've heard, the reports are that Uganda had some of the best young talent out of any country in Africa coming up. Um, so that's, that's awesome. pretty, that's pretty promising for us. That's big. Yeah. You know, hopefully some of those kids, we can get them uh, maybe to some U S colleges, um, yeah. have them develop over there and, you know, come over here. Dude, and that's the key. Yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, we have a couple guys on our team that have done that as well. And, um, and obviously you want to build, a development infrastructure in your respective countries for for all the players um but it's it's a little more stable you know in america and it's sure. it's still a long-term plan to send a kid over to develop over four years but it's an even longer term plan to say hey how are we going to develop the guys in uganda well we need money we need facilities we need a whole infrastructure we need coaches um so that's just kind of where we're at with and that that's great for the kids for a life like dude they go get to an education you get yeah. to hoop. You get to check out the states for sure, which is probably not an opportunity you would have gotten outside of hoops. And for you know sure, what I'm saying and, and being a part of the Uganda squad, so that's awesome. Yeah. Um, you just finished up African 2019 People World Cup stuff. Mm -hmm. Second leg. Talk to me about that experience. I know you had to miss the first leg right. because of the Mavs stuff. Mm -hmm. 
talk to me a little bit about the overall experience and how much did it pain you to have to miss the first leg of a big tournament? Yeah, it it would have pained me a lot more if I wasn't working or doing the job right. for the Mavs. You know, I was obviously very preoccupied with that, but I watched yeah. all the games. I followed it. Um, you know, we, we did well. We ended up leaving that first leg in second place, and all we needed to do was win one game to advance to the next leg of the yeah. World Cup. Um, unfortunately, we didn't do that. Uh, when we went out to Nigeria to play those games, we lost all three. It was it was a little disappointing from a win loss standpoint, obviously, but um, the experience for me personally and for our players as well, it's it's incredible. I mean, you take a job like this or you do something as a player because you want it as a resume builder, and you know those are your initial thoughts. They're selfish. How does this benefit me? You know, how can this be good for my career? And then when you get out there, you realize it's so much more than that. You know, the relationships that you build with people, the life experiences that you have for me personally as a coach to gain that head coaching experience and to to learn how to how to lead a group and you know to be adaptable to a group of people, um, you know, to work underneath a, a great federation, a GM and a president that there is in Uganda. It was an incredible experience. And even though it was three losses, it just it is what it is. You got to evaluate it, self-reflect, move forward to get better from it. And, you know, more than anything. Um, the experience, the life experience itself that you share with others is the most that you could take from it. Yeah, let's throw up some of these pictures real quick just to kind of give you guys a peek of what the... Yo, from not having any jerseys, these are dope. Yeah, they're pretty nice, huh? I might have to ask you for a pair of these shorts or something. I might have to... These are tight. Yeah, we don't, we don't have... Uh... You we don't have just, a ton, a ton of gear necessarily. I got like two, <laughs> I got like two shirts that I have that say coach on the back. Right, so yeah, I can't right. be handing those out. I feel that. Yeah. Talk to me about, hold on. Cause I was looking through some of these pictures. What is going on here, bro? Are you, <laughs> are you, are you just making sure that the court is. So there's, uh, yeah. So there's a good story behind that. Um, yeah, talk to me about this because I, I don't. I'm so, trying to figure out what's happening. Yeah, so these in the gym they have two guys, one at each basket, that are supposed to be wiping up the sweat on yeah, the floor whenever the players fall. And if you know hoops, you know all about that. Yeah. Exactly, and it's hotter than hell in that gym. So, so I'm sweating, and I'm not even playing. So I can imagine, you know, these guys. Right. Over a span of three games, we must have had. I'd say 12 to 15 turnovers because our guys on offense had driven to the basket and slipped on wet spots because the guys that were supposed to be wiping it up did not do a good enough job of it. Right. And they left a ton of sweat on the ground. These guys were legitimately slipping and you're not supposed to blow the whistle. It's, it's in play. Basically you're just yeah. supposed to say, all right, like balls out of bounds. Can we get this wiped up? So, you were fed up. I was fed up at that point. And, and <laughs> at this point, I mean, keep in mind, too, like it's our last game. We're, we're down by 15. The wheels are coming off, and I'm, right. I'm pretty pissed, you know what I mean, just at a bunch of things. So that's the last thing that I wanted to see, especially it's a safety thing. You know, forget the For turnovers. Sure. Like you don't want a guy to rip his ACL or something yeah, because somebody probably. didn't wipe up a spot. So what happened was this was, I think, either late in the third quarter or early in the fourth. Again, we're down like 12 to 15. We're not playing our best basketball, obviously. Yeah. And some guy dives right in front of me about – and there's like 10 to 15 feet of sweat. Like he dove and he slid. Yeah. And I can see it perfectly with the light reflecting where the wet spot is. 
So they continue. They continue to play. They continue to play, and the refs not doing anything. I'm yelling at the ref to stop play. Somebody's gonna come over there and fuck. Blow their, yeah, yeah, they blow their ACL, crack yeah. their head open. Right. So we stop play. The guy comes over, and he honestly just kind of lazily stands over it, and he's not even wiping up the well, actual. That's not even like a. T- I don't even know what that. That's like a dust. It's like a dust mop, kind of. They, they didn't have it together the right way, basically. Right. And be, especially, you got you to understand my background. I started off as an intern. I was right. a manager at IU for a year. Like, I'm, I'm programmed when somebody goes down to grab a towel and run over and wipe it up. That's just what you're supposed to do in those intern right. roles. So I was fed up at this point, and I saw that he wasn't really wiping up the sweat. So I s- looked behind me. I grabbed a towel, and I just got on the floor, and I started – wiping the hell out of the spot so yeah Yeah. the funny part was once people realized what i was doing the whole nigerian crowd behind me like stood up gave me an ovation they started like clapping and cheering and stuff so it was kind of a funny moment i didn't get to enjoy it in the moment because we were losing and i was pretty pissed um but kind of funny looking back on it that you know it wasn't just coaching skills my intern skills and managerial skills kind of came out at that point is coaching everything that you thought it would be so as we went over, you were a shorty. You sit down with your pops. I don't have a major, but I know I want to coach hoops. Yeah, you get an opportunity to coach some grown men that are, I'm, I'm that are, want to learn hoops. They want to get better. You know what I'm saying? They want to represent their country. Is it everything that you thought it would be? Is it just as fun? Is do you appreciate the grind like you thought you would? How do you feel about the X's and O's, that type of stuff? Yeah, I appreciate it even more than I did. I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I wanted to pursue it. I just knew that I loved basketball, and all I had was kind of a dream and a vision, and that's it. I didn't really know what was going on. But when you're a young kid, you're young, you're arrogant, you think you know everything, and, and that's what, what I thought coming out of college. And um, you know, when I was an intern for Bakersfield, same thing. Like I worked hard, but – I thought, man, I'm just going to be an NBA coach one day. It's going to come easy, but you know, I'll work in this then. You realize very quickly how difficult it is, how difficult it is to get jobs, how difficult it is to wake up every single day early in the morning, especially in those lower-level entry positions where you're, you're wiping up sweat every day, you're driving the team bus, you're doing laundry. Uh, it can be tough, but you can't forget your why. You can't forget why you got into it, You know why you wanted to be a coach, why you wanted to do it. Um, and that's kind of what I've been going off of every single day. Um, as far as the head coaching, that's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. That is that is a very, very difficult job. You have so much going on in the moment, and there's so much that you're worrying about, especially with FIBA and their rules. Like, You don't get nearly as many timeouts as you do in the NBA. The timeouts are only a minute long. Before you know it, they're they're sounding the buzzer, and you know you got to go. You haven't even drawn up your play. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just it's very, very difficult, but – when I learned that, it wasn't difficult to the point where I didn't want to do it anymore and thought, yeah, screw this. You weren't overwhelmed. No, it was more like, okay, I, I need to get better. Yeah. I need to get better. I need to I need to be my best so I could help these guys be in good position to look good. Any language barrier? A little bit. So the language barrier is more basketball talk. So oh, okay. our language that we use here, just different terminology, uh, a lot of guys there don't understand. So like you wouldn't- Like high screen? Like crash the boards. Like what? I told I was I was saying I was saying in a film session one time and I had no yeah. idea you got to tell me because right. I have no idea I just right. I coach I get going and I start talking fast and you know these guys are sitting there listening and I I'm talking about we got to crash the boards we got to do this that and I I always say any questions anything you guys didn't understand bring it up now's the time right. to talk about it and I'm thinking the question is going to be well 
when we screen there, what should we do here? You know, but one of the guys raises his hands. He goes, what do you mean by crash the boards? Yeah. I was like, wow. You know, <laughs> and it's not, it's right. not wow. Like what's wrong with you? Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's it was a while. It was like an aha moment. Like, wow. The, it's that different. The lingo, you know what I mean? Yeah. The lingo is that different across, across the sea, you know, and you can't take it for granted. You really have to be clear and concise with your message. Um, and that's something that I'm still learning, even after coaching two tournaments already with them. Leg one of FIBA, the qualifier, the World Cup qualifier, there was months in between. Yeah. You missed the first leg because of the Mavs. Mm-hmm. You were able to make the second leg, which just finished up this past month. Yeah. How much practice time did you have in between leg one and leg two? Or did you just show up 10 days before leg two started? And it was trying to lock some stuff in. With our full team that we went to Nigeria with to play those games, we had 10 days of training. Wow. We met with four players that were based in the U.S. and a couple other players that are that are interested in potentially playing the Ugandan team that lived in the U.S. We had a training camp in Dallas, like a mini training camp for about four days before we left for Istanbul for training camp. Yeah. So those guys had about four extra days, but the team together had 10 days. And – the strange part about it was that I've never experienced before as a coach was we didn't have practices and then exhibition games. We went to Istanbul. The team got there in the morning of the 15th, and we had an exhibition game that night. And we had five exhibition games five days in a row. So before we even had a legit practice, we had five exhibition games. So you're coaching on the fly. You're trying to coach and teach them in games. Um, you're using those as your you're practices. Your players, everything. Everything. Um, and then – so it was backwards. We played the exhibitions first, then we had practices, then we had the games. Um, didn't work out in our favor, obviously. That's not the reason why. But as a coach, as far as how to get it organized, it was definitely a new experience, and it was a challenge for sure. Well, look, let me see because, I mean, I was reading the SI article, and I'm going to post this SI article on uh, – I'll put that in the description in the YouTube link. You guys can check this out. Very well done. Great kind of profile of you and kind of what you got going on and everything. So everybody check that out. But I do want to say this. Let's pull up some of these games, right? These games, the games and results that I was looking at, there's a lot of competitive games. Mm-hmm. Like I think I don't, there's a, there's a mention in the article of the Uganda squad losing to, I think it's Nigeria, the big dogs, or it might've been, it was, Rwanda, a, it was Angola. Angola. Yeah. And they, they lost by like 60 points. They lost by like 40 points, yeah. I think, three or four months prior or right. the year prior. Um, yeah, we lost by like 30, 40 points. So, like, you lose a ball game by three points. You beat Rwanda. Nigeria is a monster over there. Yeah, that so was like, a tough game. That doesn't even, that doesn't, you know what I'm saying? That doesn't even count. Yeah. But these are still like, dude, 13 point games. These are still, these are still tight, tight games compared yeah. to, to what. To not have any practice, to show up the second leg, have 10 days, some exhibition. I mean, it's a lot of stuff to, you know, hang your hat on there, no doubt. Yeah, it, um, you know, and there, there's no excuses. Obviously, I don't, I don't look yeah. at it and blame it on lack of anything, practice time, whatever. Um, I think that we, we were still in a position to win a couple of those games. Um, I think every, everybody's responsible. Me, first and foremost, you know, I, I could be more adaptable to, the the culture the situation the players yeah. the FIBA game uh, there's definitely ways that I can get better put our guys in position to be successful uh, but you know they they play really really hard those guys play super hard and they're such good guys That's and 
I think the toughest thing with losing these games is, you know, I, I couldn't care less about my record. It's it's so difficult as a coach seeing the disappointment on your players' faces after loss. Like, they're such good dudes. They they play their hearts out every single game, and they do it for the right reasons. And to, to not see them be able to experience that success and triumph after a game and just, like, see the smiles on their faces, as corny as that sounds, it's really, really – that's the yeah. most difficult part of it for me, for sure. No doubt. Are you this is this actually just came to my head. I'm just it just popped in, so I'm gonna say it. Are you looking around the country for a stud with some Uganda blood in him? And just try <laughs> to put them on the squad? Because there has to be an African dude hooping somewhere in the country that's like half. Yeah, I mean we You know what I'm saying? Yeah, here's the here's the thing about that though. And yeah. we we did that uh yeah. this past year. We recruited a player named Dane Goo. Yeah. Who is uh, from Uganda? Sounds he moved like a to getter. yeah. He's he's pretty good, man. He's about he's a six eight power forward from uh, North Dakota State. Right, that's what so, I'm talking about. Yeah, talk yeah. To me about that. I mean, he can he can hoop. He could shoot it. Very dynamic. He can put it on the deck. He can play make. Um, you know, he could post up down low. He's got to add a little bit of weight to him, I think. Yeah. But I mean, you're talking about a guy that he's got a shot in two years. He's definitely got a shot to play pro anywhere around the world. Um. But he, he's got a shot, especially if he continues to develop his jump shot and three-point shot and whatnot. Um, he's, he's very good. He's a great kid. He's a hard worker. He listens, which, you know, that's half the battle, right? He's getting a guy that works hard and listens. So he's got that covered. Um, but, yeah, we recruited him, called his coach at North Dakota State, and we heard he was Ugandan and said, yeah, you know, I'm – So what happened with it? Well, he, he came and he played for us. He averaged, oh, yeah, okay, he averaged like though. he averaged like fourteen and eleven for the tournament. Okay, word. Um, and that's tough for him. I mean, he's a, even though he's playing at a higher level than a lot of guys have played in, in this tournament. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, he's a twenty-one-year-old kid going to a completely foreign place in a very hostile environment that he's not familiar with, and he's asked to be like the guy, like the focal point yeah, of our right. offense, and. I couldn't be prouder of the dude. He's such a good dude, and you know he immersed himself in the culture That's and the awesome. team. You know, really easily, very easygoing personality, nice kid, and uh, he played really, really well. I mean, those are men that he's going up against. You know, Ike Diogu, who was the number nine pick in the NBA draft, yeah. is who he's going up against in Nigeria, and he held his own. He had his best game against Nigeria. That's a grown man that he's going against with experience. So, I think he's got a really, really bright future. And there's not many high level players that are that were born and raised in uganda that are playing in the united states right. um right now at least he was one of the few so that's what we're trying to do like i said with the Keep younger looking, talent bro. yeah well that's why we got to get the younger looking. talent that's, to the u.s yeah, so right. in four or five years you know we got we got some hoopers that are you know right. looking to play looking to play overseas and professionally that's the thing about a team like nigeria and all these top teams in africa is you look at their roster and yeah, they're from Nigeria, they're from Angola, they're from their respective countries. But you look at where they play throughout the year, and they're playing in Spain, they're playing right. in Germany, they're playing all over the place. Yeah. Um, they're playing in in legitimate pro leagues. Uh, so that's something that you know you you, you got to have players that play there to to really catch up with the upper echelon of of national teams. I love it. Yo, keep working there. We're gonna pivot to the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. You're on the video team over there. Mm-hmm. Take me through a day in the life of, of – are you just watching film and just trying to break down as much stuff and get as much information as possible to the rest of the coaching staff? Is, is, is that kind of the, the basis of it? Yeah, so my primary responsibility with video for the coaching staff is, is anything from – we call it chopping, uh, you know, chopping up a game, cutting up a game for – like an opponent's game for the coaches. Yeah. So if we're playing, if we're playing the Bulls on a Monday night, and we're about to play the Lakers on 
Thursday. Monday night, I'm not watching our game against Chicago. I'm watching the Lakers against the Spurs. Yeah. And I'm cutting up that game so that right after our game, whoever is scouting that game, they got the film ready for them. They got play calls in there, um, any notes that I personally have for them on the game that I just watched. And that's I'm doing over, over 200 of those games for the year as far as just opponent games. And then you might get a coach. Where are you doing that from? Just back at home in Dallas or at the facility in Dallas? Yeah, it's at the facility. I mean, I could do it remotely on my computer. Um, but, yeah, there's a website that uploads all NBA games for NBA teams. We just go there, download the film, and then we import it into our software, which is DV Sport. Okay, yeah. Cut it up, and, you know, that's it's kind of where it goes from there. But it could be anything from, from that, chopping up a, an opponent game, to a coach coming in and saying, hey, I want all of Dennis Smith's pick and roll floaters huh. we're gonna go through we're gonna you know find an edit for him we're gonna put it together yeah. and then we that we're all like, we're all like a nightmare no it's okay yeah. no the thing is like that's the thing everybody calls it a grind in the video room and this that like i'm getting paid to to right. watch basketball watch every it. single day yeah, like yeah. it's it's incredible you know what i mean um but it you know it's a lot of work and it's it's a lot of tedious work where you're looking for all of his pick and rolls and you're looking to see you know what exactly the coach wants um but in turn, you're learning a ton. So you're getting you're getting to help a coach, you're getting to help the player. Obviously, you're helping the coach help the player, and then you're also helping yourself a little bit learn. As long as you're watching it with a keen eye. So, um, yeah, any anything video related for the coaching staff is is my responsibility. That's what's up. All right, yeah. Let's bring up this this Mavericks 2019 roster here, because obviously. The biggest prize this year's draft pick, Luka Doncic. Mm -hmm. I'm not huge on this guy. I understand where you guys are coming from, and I understand the hype around it. The reason I have the problem with Luka is because everyone always finishes their thought with, he's just a ball player. I, like... <laughs> I don't want to hear that. You know what I'm saying? Like any arg like any yeah. argument he's solved. He's a hooper, man. Any argument solved for Luca is like, yo, he's he's not very slow. I mean, he's not very fast. His lateral quickness is not gonna be there. I don't know who he's gonna guard. I don't know. I mean, the only person I've ever seen get to do what he does in that motion is Paul Pierce. Mm -hmm. Just like the very methodical, like, I have no idea how he got to that spot. But he did, and he's been doing that for 15 years. Yeah. I'm going to need to see it against the league talent with sure. my own eyes. But, yeah, that's my only problem is, man, let's listen, bro. He's a ball player. Like, yeah. All right. Like, I, I get it, and I understand that. You're seeing him up close. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about your feelings. Does he have a presence about him? How does he, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Talk to me about kind of being up close to Luca. Yeah. So I haven't seen him play live up yeah. close. When he came, when I came back from Africa, there was one day that we had practice for Summer League that he was involved in. And then we went to Summer League and he obviously didn't play there. So all I've seen him do is work out and do like five on O offense. So I haven't seen him play competitively yet. I've watched a ton of film on him, obviously. Yeah. Uh, most of his clips and games from overseas this past season. And I, I get I get your argument. You know, he's you got to give me more than he's just a hooper. Yeah. And I think that people use that argument to counter 
when other people say, well, well what is he? What's he going to guard? What position is he? What is this? Because a lot of guys like to get real nitpicky. A lot of scouts like to get nitpicky about what is this guy? What is he going to be? Yeah, right. And the bottom line is you look at this guy and you think, man, he's just the best player on the court. You know, everyone wants to compare him to other European busts. And the fact of the matter is, if you compare where all of those guys were at this point of his career as well, at 19 years old, it doesn't compare. And you're talking about a EuroLeague champion, Spain ACB champion, MVPs in both leagues. Like he's the most decorated player of all time. Um, so my argument there, and we're not going to argue about Luca. No, no, good, no, yeah, 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 be good. Yeah. But I get all that. But he's playing with studs on Madrid. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's out. He's there. also playing against studs. Yeah, in Euroleague. True. He's but, playing against grown men. Yeah, but not to the left. Like his the best players over there are on his team. For the most part. There's a good chunk of good players on Madrid that he's playing with, right? Mm -hmm. So, my whole thing is, it's going to be interesting to see, like, when you you can defer, like, our our whole argument with, like, this whole KD in Golden State is he he doesn't even have to think about a double team. That shit doesn't even cross his mind. Like, people like LeBron and everybody else, if you're the guy, you're going to see a double team. Kevin Durant doesn't sniff a double team anymore. And that's, like, a, a huge reason why I have, like, a big problem with, like, he's obviously the man. Right. You know what I'm saying? Top two player in the league. But he doesn't have to – there's just something – that's just stuff that he doesn't have to worry about. I'm interested to see Luka come into a spot like the Mavericks where – I mean, he has a couple pieces. Yeah. Harrison, Dennis, whatever. I'm interested to see how he's gonna how he's gonna go about that. Well, the thing about Luca, which is super impressive just from watching him on film, is his IQ, his basketball IQ. So where you would have to develop a potential uh, a potential rookie, especially one that's gonna have the ball in their hands a lot, like a Dennis Smith or anybody else, a De'Aaron Fox, chances are you're gonna spend a lot of time on skill work. And you're going to spend a lot of time watching film with them on pick and roll reads. You know, this is the read that you want to make here. Right. When you come off this way, this is where the defense is rotating. This is These are your options, blah, blah, blah. Those are all the things that you have to talk about with those guards. Luka Doncic, in my opinion, already knows all of those reads. Right. It doesn't mean that he can't get smarter and he can't be taught, but he is already head and shoulders from an intellectual IQ standpoint on the basketball court above – everybody else in his draft class so you want to talk about being double teamed Luka Doncic knows better than I right now about how he's going to get rid of the ball in the double team and where he's going to pass it to right. um, that's where I think he's going to be extremely effective I think if you were to compare him to a player as far as the way he moves he's a less quick version when I see him play with the ball of James Harden the way he plays He's got the step back. He's got a really good step back. He's yeah. got the stop, the hesitation, stop and go, crossover through the legs. Yeah. He's he's got some some he wiggle gets to the cup, and you're like, how do you just get to the exactly? Rack like he's that? got right. some wiggle to his game for sure. And James Harden isn't the most blazing fast player with the ball. You know, he's not a, a Damian Lillard or like a Westbrook necessarily. He's a little quicker than Doncic, but I think if you see Doncic really take care of his body um, and and you know, take care of his diet and kind of it'll take his athleticism, I think, to another level. Um, I think you'll see him take that step and be able to handle and, you know, an NBA wing defender. Yeah. Um, not easily necessarily, but um, I think better than, than 
some haters like yourself would, <laughs> would think. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. I think me, I think he'll be you okay. You can put me in the Luca hater category, yeah, yeah. no doubt. Um, I think that. Yeah, I think you made some good points. I think James and Steph Curry alike took their game to the next level when they got that handle. Mm-hmm. Like Steph Curry was good, and then when he got that handle, we're like. And combined with his quick, his quick release, obviously, but it was that handle. He got you so off balance, and then before you even could think about getting back, the the jumper was halfway to the basket. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, I think if Lucas can, let I me mean, Luca can do that. Get those. I mean, you can. There's 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 a lot of things you can and cannot work on in lateral quickness and stuff. Is that something you can improve? Right. I I 100 percent believe so. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I think that's something that we'll see if he comes in and, and can improve that. And, hey, man, I'm excited to see what happens. It's always one of those things where, like, I don't – I'm not a big believer, but the thing about sports, bro, is you're going to see. Like, all this talk, like, all this banter you see every day yeah, on yeah. ESPN and in here and us talking shit is, like, well, you're going to see because he's going he's gonna to lace it up. Yeah. And he's going he's gonna to prove he can hoop with the big boys or not. Well, people I mean? debate – people debate all the time, and you're exactly right because even with the Mavericks, you know, I'm – we got our coworkers that are in the office next to us and we're always, you know, the video room's right next to the analytics room. Right. You know, so I always go in there and chop it up with those guys and, you know, talk talk with people from a different perspective, right? Yeah. They got all the numbers in front of them, right? They yeah. know they know the game from a different perspective. I'm always trying to go in there and talk and learn. And we always laugh at the debates you get in with people. It's like, well, he's not going to do that. You think he's going to be good? Like, people give you this look like you're stupid. We haven't seen him play yeah, right. one game. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? I said back right. in, like, February that I would take – I take Wendell Carter over DeAndre Aiden. I said that to somebody. They thought that I was I was a complete moron. Right. And I'm I might end up being a moron. Who knows? Yeah. But I just liked what I saw in film. And then we go to summer league, and Wendell Dude. Carter actually did pretty well. So it's just that Forget I'm not saying that I'm well, right because yeah. he hasn't played an NBA game yet. But bottom line is that you just when you're debating with people, you never know until they actually get on the court yeah, and they hoop. For sure, it's all it's all gas bag stuff just for sure just people talking shit and it's we'll see i mean that's why like the thing about the nba is one of those things where we are i am in my opinion golden state's gonna win this year they probably win next year too sure but it's still dope to watch you wait you don't have the you don't have the mavs no, Contending over the, the Warriors. Oh, okay. no, no, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll let them know back home. Yeah, yeah, I'll sure. send this tell, link to everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have you guys in the five seed. <laughs> um, pull up this roster for me one more time, and let's go through a couple other of these players. Because first off, shout out Harrison Barnes for making twenty five mil, twenty four, twenty four point one. Get your money, big dog. Yeah. I love that. He went and got a ring, and he was like, yo, let me go get some cash, and I'm just going to hang out. And he's he's a hard worker, man. Yeah. He's in the gym every single day. So – Talk to me about Dennis Smith Jr. And I want to talk about Jalen Brunson because that's another Chicago guy. You guys both went to high school, Stevenson. Let's talk Jalen Brunson first. This is Andre Miller to me, 100%, no doubt about it. I like that comparison. The the lefty Andre Miller. I honestly could see Jalen Brunson being in the league 13 years. Easy. For sure. Coming off the bench contributing someone gets hurt next thing you know he starts 50 games like i could i see this it's clear as day right and it's so funny because i was arguing with my guy about luca and then like 30 minutes later someone asked me about jalen brunson i was like ball player bro like like that was my whole argument we started cracking up like okay you could say that about jalen but obviously that doesn't work for luca and i like i was contradicting myself obviously but it was funny um 
this guy is just coming out of Villanova, the J-Ride system, winning mentality. He's tough. Another guy that's doesn't jump out at you with a ton of like natural talent. He just knows how to hoop. Yeah. I, I'm I'm contradicting myself so badly. Right no, now. I know. Yeah, but, but you didn't call him a ball player. You said he knows how to hoop. He know, so, yeah, yeah, right. So, talk to me about that. I we probably haven't seen him yet either live. Have you, Jalen? Yeah, yeah. He played for us in summer league. Okay, he perfect. actually played yeah, yeah, all yeah, five yeah. games okay. for sure. Right. So, yeah, I guess. Uh, talk to me about his men, like his demeanor, because he seems so cool. He's incredible. And, yeah, I mean, he's he's everything you would want in. A point guard from a mentality standpoint you know he's he's a winner he's won at every level that's the way he carries himself he's very hard on himself he yeah. works hard he wants to watch film he wants to get better how do you look at summer league i thought he looked good now he struggled a little bit with his shooting um i think he struggled exactly how people thought he would against longer more Big athletic time players time. basically yeah. you know he had a little bit of trouble creating his shot or creating space for a shot and to me that's just an adjustment a guy like Jalen I don't I don't look at him struggle shooting in a game or creating space in between him and his defender and think man this guy's never going to figure it out I watched him and our whole coaching staff did and we talked about this it was a topic was he had what he would consider a bad game and afterwards we're like dude's going to be in the league for like 13 15 years yeah. like he's going to figure it out you have faith in a guy like that that he's going to figure it out. Now, this is a learning curve like he's never seen before in his career. He's not going to be able to go to the Mavericks and you know, potentially win a championship his first year like he did with Villanova, right? This yeah. will be um, a little bit more of a challenge for him, but a challenge that I think he's he's going to warm up to and he's going to accept from day one. He understands that it's a process. He treats it like it's a process. He's not trying to get results right away. He thinks it's a marathon, and he's, he's willing to put in the work every single day to – to expedite and speed up his his development process. I think whatever he goes through, if you send him to the G League, just theoretically speaking, he's not the kind of guy that's going to go down there and sulk because he's in the G League. He's the type of guy that loves basketball. He loves to get better. He understands it's an opportunity to get better. He's going to treat his teammates well. He's he's not going to be a pain in the ass to the coach. Um, I love those guys. TJ McConnell. We, we all, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's the guy. You're a U of A guy, right? Yeah. No, ASU guy. You were like, ASU, okay. All my yeah. home, I have a ton of homies, Maxie. Yeah. Ton of homies that went to U of A. For sure. Uh, dude, we've kicked it with TJ a bunch. TJ, dude, these are just like, I just want to hoop, man. Like, right. That's all I do. He, like, he hoops and he, hoop. he plays his ass off. Yeah. You know, TJ McConnell, like, that's, that's a guy, that's a guy you want on your side in a fight. That's a guy you want to go to battle with. Uh, whenever you step between the lines and Jalen's Jalen's the same way now they're 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 different players to a degree you know they bring different things to yeah. the table but Jalen's going to figure it out I have, I have absolutely no doubt same mentality I mean they're going to go out and they're they're winning players and it's in, in a league and just a, a, an era where everything is being quantified and measured yeah there's certain things that you can't measure besides the win column and that's what you know, Jalen Brunson is, and you know, a guy like T.J. McConnell, and those guys—they make winning plays, and they're winning players. Dennis Smith Jr., one of the most freakish athletes I've seen. Yes, really wanted him on the Bulls <laughs> when you guys picked him. Can't be too upset with Mark. Mark no, right? Laurie's a monster. Yeah, and he is going to be in the league. He's going to another guy. I think is going to be in the league for a long time. For sure. Um, talk to me about Dennis Smith. He just seems like a cool cat that's always been a cool cat that's always been wild athletic. Yeah. And it's just been a hooper forever. Yeah. That's like what I get. 
Yeah. No, he's uh Think about Dennis. He's super smart. You know, he knows the game. He sees the game. Yeah. He's very observant, not just with basketball, but in in general. He sees a lot of things. He understands. Um, he's a good teammate. He's funny, uh, and you know he works hard. And I think that there's again every player's learning curve is different. You know, so you know the jump for him this year is going to be not to put up 15 points per game like he did last year, but maybe a more efficient 15 points. Um, you'll learn to play with somebody like Luca, who's also going to have the ball a lot, um, and and try to win games. I thought the experience that he got last year, we had I don't know how many clutch games that we were in off the top of my head. It was like forty clutch games, you know, within five points the last yeah. five minutes. For him to have that experience as Shout a rookie, out Yogi, yeah, right, Yogi yeah. going to the Kings, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah, what I read. Yeah. Oh well. Good, yeah. good luck to Yogi. Yeah, great, yeah, dude, sure. great dude. Great dude. Great Hooper too. Um, Indiana guy. Indiana guy. Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah, I mean, the experience that Dennis got last year in close games and losing a lot of those games, you learn a lot about yourself. And I think that he's a guy that's smart enough to kind of reflect the right way on those things and then bring it back this year and this be ready to go. This is one of those squads go. where you wish you could kind of just jump in the East for a year. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, this young I mean, squad yeah. could make a little noise. Seven, six, seven, eight range, nine range in the East. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's so daunting for a young squad like this to look in the West like, dude. It's and tough. want to make the playoffs and stuff, but it's like, yeah, definitely. It's tough. I understand the realistic mindset behind looking at all the teams that you're going up against and being like, man, like they're going to be tough to jump. They're going to be tough to jump. Right. Like here's eight teams that I think that are <laughs> right. are possibly ahead of us. But right. I mean, can't guarantee you if you look at it in a more positive way that you're going to make the playoffs. But you're probably not going to make the playoffs if you're looking at all these teams and being like, man, we can't beat them. You right. know, so it's really got to be, as cliche as it sounds, it's got to be process-based. That's what I think Carlisle is is maybe best at, is just having his team understanding night in and night out that it's a process, quarter by quarter, game by game, play by play. You, you just got to stick it, stick with it. You got to be adaptable. You got to be in the moment. And, you know, we're, we're worried about us. You know, we, we game plan for other teams, but you got to be most worried about Sure. you know yourselves and your team and you never know i mean you come out and you're you're eight and two you beat a couple good teams confidence who, who knows you know confidence, confidence is key and mental 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 that feeling you get when you get a little confidence and start rolling is a that could a, a lot can come from that no question no question george galanopoulos head coach of the uganda national team video lead I don't know if it's the lead, but he's on the no, video squad. assistant video coordinator, but... Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, for the Dallas Mavericks, man. You're the bro for coming on. I appreciate it. Make sure you check out... Uh, no Catch Up Chicago, YouTube, Instagram, everywhere. George Galanopoulos. Thanks for coming on, bro. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, bro. Of course, bro. Yeah. Fun time. Yeah, great Definitely. time.